Hi guys, welcome back to the Stickman Sessions podcast. This week's episode welcomes Lee Wilde into the show. He is the lead singer and songwriter for the band The Fireflies. They're an incredible band. I'm a massive fan of their music. Um, they're UK based and they've been making tunes together for well over a decade now. So these personal experiences as a songwriter and as a live performer is well worth sticking around for. It was a total joy chatting to him. He's a lovely guy. He's got some great stories to tell and also just some really valuable insight as to how things actually work in the music industry and how things have changed over the years. So we talk everything from best and worst performances to the songwriting process, to his thoughts on contemporary music, on rock, um, his hopes for the future. I personally really enjoyed this conversation. I found it quite inspiring to be a part of and I'm just genuinely grateful that Lee was up for having such a, an in-depth chat. So thank you for that. The Fireflies have got some stunning new music out right now, which you can check out on all platforms or just uh, via the links below the podcast. They've also got a fair few gigs and appearances coming up in the near future, so highly recommended if you're a fan of organic, honest songwriting and uh, just proper folk rock and rock in general. Um, anyway, I'll let you see for yourselves. There's plenty of great advice to follow, so grab yourself a drink and enjoy. So the Fireflies have been together for ages. I didn't realise you got quite how long you guys have been together. Is it 2007? Your website says. Uh, yeah, 12 years um, for our sins. Yeah, uh, I basically formed the band over in Vancouver uh, when I used to live out there. So it was just uh, me and an acoustic guitar on my back, just playing these shows in West Van. Uh, yeah. And I, I came back and kind of I knew a few guys that played drums. I used to be in a band called Warped before the Fireflies. Um, so I knew a few guys that played. So. I, we just started rehearsing in the garage, really. So uh, we weren't a proper band, I'd probably say, till about 2010. But yeah, the uh, it, it, it does say on the website there, 2007. So the roots, yeah, yeah, the roots, yeah. That's exactly what it was, yeah. And that's incredible. Um, yeah. So I'll just bring it back to sort of now then. So at the moment, are you guys are currently on tour. You're, you're gigging quite a lot, I think. Yeah, uh, we've just finished the coffee house sessions. Uh, we finished that on Friday, and we've got quite a lot um, still to go as well, uh, gig-wise this year. But the the tour was was really really good. I think we picked up um, quite a lot of new fans on that, really, uh, which was really strange because it wasn't just people for the first time in my life. It wasn't people coming up to us and going, "Oh, we really enjoyed that." It was people tagging us in their Instagram stories. Yeah, so it was like massively new, uh, and. Yeah. So people didn't really come up. So I, I could figure out who it was by the angle that the the video had been shot, which is kind of really strange. So I just That's kind cool. of like, yeah, it's really it was it was really good. So there was a few people uh, in a, uh, a couple of gigs in Bournemouth and a couple in Keel and Staffordshire and um, and um, where is it now? London, somewhere in London. Um, so I kind of figured yeah. out who they were. So I kind of made a beeline and went over just to say thank you for you know, adding us on social media. Thank you for tweeting us to your friends and, and, and obviously the nice words that they included in the Instagram story. And they yeah. were like really kind of taken back that I'd like sort them out and just said like, you know, thank you. And they were like, no, no, don't apologize. We think you're great, blah, blah, blah. But I do think there's some kind of weird cultural shift to people hiding behind phones quite a lot and doing it all literally not having to speak to the band they've just spoke to. They've, yeah. they've, they've just watched, but they'll just, just do an Instagram story or or Twitter. That's interesting. Yeah, so well, that was it's weird. One of my one of my questions that was going to come up was because you guys have been together for twelve years. You yeah. know what what sort of 
changes have you noticed which is yeah. exactly that kind of thing that you're talking about i guess in the live yeah. scene yeah um that's quite strange so what you found that people were a little bit nervous when you went and talked to them in, in real life I, I don't know i think so yeah i mean I, I don't know i mean people just tend to be hiding behind their like cappuccinos or not they were just a little yeah. bit like oh my god he's like standing right there and i i wasn't like me being creepy or anything it was just kind of like no no i, I, I could tell from the angle it was you and they were like all right so it was really nice. It was really, really nice. Like the, um, That's really nice, yeah. Yeah, the, re- the reception we've had on the tour has been incredible, really. So. so what is the Coffee House Sessions, then, just for anyone that doesn't know about it? Yeah, um, it's. I think it's a platform, I think, that Hugh Stevens set up in 2012, I think, or 2013, with uh, Radio 1. Yeah. And just basically a, a, a platform for acoustic guitarists or stripped-down bands just to go from university to university over the course of um, two weeks, but 19 gigs, because it's uh, two gigs a day, most of them. So Bad just to get, get, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm knackered. <laughs> just, to get, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just to get your music out there and kind of play to a whole new audience that isn't people that's drunk. So it's, uh, I think Warner Brothers use it and Sony, a lot of the record labels um, use it and they just promote, via via that really which is it's yeah. really different and really really strange it's a lot of fun but normally like it's our like maybe fourth tour that i've done like being in the fireflies so i think yeah. we toured in 2014 2012 and i did quite a lot on my own back in the uh, late noughties and um so doing two gigs a day was like really it was really something else like to get Full to on venue. yeah it really was yeah like get to the venue at 12 to do a show and then like half an hour 40 minutes then um, pack up and then be over the other side of London in an hour and a half. Just it was mind blowing, really. It was really, really, really took out of us all. It sounds yeah, sounds, sounds, sounds lame, but but it was really nice. No, no, I can imagine it's yeah, especially when it's your own songs and it's all quite emotional and you know that's quite exhausting sometimes. Exactly, as well, yeah. Because with us, as you know, you know, we don't just go on stage and go, you know, we're the fireflies and just kind of go through the motions. For for me, and particularly, you know, I'm singing these songs that I've written and I, I believe in and I've got some weight to, so I always kind of put in a you know a massive performance every time. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. It sounds like a good experience. Then, how do you feel about it? Are you kind of slightly glad that it's done, but you've you found it really rewarding and uh, yeah. it's been worth it. It was massively rewarding, and we got we got to know Spike really well on new um, basis, so that was really nice. And then we we really missed President Street, the band we were on with. Like we met them like every day. We saw their um, we saw their, their set, you know, twice a day and we hung with them at night and stuff and in the hotels. And it was, they were really, really nice, like Pete, Gavin, Ruby are just three of the nicest people I've ever met. And if yeah. we'd have been on that tour with someone else, uh, like who knows how it would have gone, like some maybe some 18-year-old singer-songwriter, maybe we would have had something in common, I don't know. But because they were slightly older as well, like 30s and 40s, it was, we had kind of more in common because I, obviously I'm a little bit older. Uh, uh, so... But yeah, I kind of miss it a little bit. I miss those guys and I miss the camaraderie and the, you know, just rocking up. And it was kind of like a flash game yeah. where people would yeah. just be there eating their tea or something. And we'd rock up with like five or six of our songs and like people would just be like, what is this? <laughs> you know, no, not in a negative way, obviously. But... No, no, it sounds brilliant. Yeah, I love that at lunchtime. That'd be really yeah, good. So was it, all, was it unplugged then all the time? Uh, yeah, well, we, we were DI'd, so we went through uh, we went through the the PA system. But yeah, it was right. Andy was on a Cajon, so it was the first time that she had kind of migrated away from the drums just to use oh, the okay. like, box thing. So she was like not in her comfort zone at all. So oh. we, did a, we did like a little pre uh, pre tour uh, show as well uh, in in our hometown of Runcorn, and she was on the the Cajon there, just saying 
I don't know if I can commit to like 19 gigs of this, but ultimately she kind of took to it and really enjoyed it. So that was really something. And then Joe and Spike were just uh, doing acoustic guitar, but I was just singing and playing harmonica for maybe the first seven gigs, but found it yeah. really kind of fish out of water. I just couldn't seem to get used to not playing lead guitar or not playing my guitar. So I luckily had my guitar with me, my acoustic. So I think it was around the time we went to um, maybe Bath or Bristol. So when we got to yeah. Bristol University, I was like, I'm playing my guitar. So I just strapped my acoustic on and was playing like all my solos and stuff. I just thought it'd be a little bit more laid back, but I, I need the, the guitar as a crutch, I think. I felt really awkward and really kind of like, you know, when there was a guitar break or when just I was exposed. Yeah, massively exposed. I didn't know what to do. I was kind of fiddling with the mic stand and then I was like looking around at the band and thinking, this is massively alien to me, this, and I didn't enjoy that part at all. So as soon as I got my guitar on, I, w I was me again, you know, I could be exactly what I always intended it to be. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, actually. So you just man managed to sort of tweak things as you went along and... Uh... Yeah, it was definitely ad hoc. Yeah, we just as we, as we went along, we thought, well, that works, this works, that doesn't. I think we had eight songs, so I think we, I think like Grace and uh, Runaway and This House Is Ours were, were you know, definitely going to be in the set every yeah. day, and then yeah. we were kind, of, we were kind of like a carousel where they which featured uh, branches. I think release repeat. There was um, talking to the satellite. We kind of did an acoustic version of that. So, yeah, there was a couple more, I can't remember, but we yeah, so, we did about, I think there's about eight to choose from, so we did about four or five in every set. Okay, so it wasn't exactly the same thing every time you're yeah. jumping up on stage. It sounds really good, jumping up really on nice stage. experience. How did you get involved with that? Were you selected for it or did you apply for it? Or? Yeah, well, it was a bit of both, I think, because I know that a lot of bands um, apply for it every year, so we mm. applied for it back in, uh, I think it was October, and now, if we'd have applied for it like maybe two years ago, I don't think we'd have had you know a chance in hell really. But uh, they got back to us and just said, "This is really, you know, this music's really cool, and we think it lends itself to like an acoustic thing." So they they kind of we applied for it and and they they chose us. So we were very um, we, we were very lucky, very grateful really that you know that they, they decided to put their faith in us. And obviously, President Street, the other band from Melbourne, love, yeah. just had a lovely time. It was great. Oh, good. No, that's really good. Like, I think it's your kind of sound just is one you you do stand out as a band that would work in either setting. Like whether it's just you and your guitar, or it was the whole full throttle, you know, a little bit of distortion yeah. and stuff, um, yeah. which is a, ni a nice quality to have. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, um, doesn't it? Yeah, you don't get that with every band. I think because I write all the songs on an acoustic guitar, I think that kind of always leads to us to either interpreting the most like full on, you know, band songs or or acoustic, like you say, yeah. You've got a new basis, but how long has the rest of the lineup been together currently? Then this, as it as it stands at the moment, as it stands, yeah, I think. Well, and um, obviously, I've been in since day dot. But Andy joined in two thousand and ten. I think she joined as, as our drummer, and then um, Joe came on board about two years ago. And Spike, who's Joe's brother, uh, came on board maybe two months. The first gig Spike did was Old Trafford uh, live on MUTV for Paddy Crowen's eightieth. So that was kind of like the barometer for what it was going to be like because he's 19 right. and he just came into the band. I think he was playing covers or whatnot with like a band in Runcorn and not really getting anywhere. So he joined our band and he's full of, you know, there's Man United players all around him and everything's live on MUTV and, and uh, we're at Old Trafford. So it was like absolutely crazy. So that was in February. And then obviously yeah. we, we headed out on tour on the 18th of March. So, so yeah, so for Spike, it's been a baptism of fire, I think. But um, but our bands like The Fall or The Cure, there's no 
there's no set kind of we're not like U2 or Aerosmith or Radiohead where it's just the same core members we've had I think we counted 18 people have come and gone and I think right. because I'm focused to just I'm not focused for success or focused for like fame or anything like that anything crazy I'm just I just want to keep writing songs and releasing music that's that's what I want to keep doing so people yeah. people get on board with it for a little while and then they have you know when I started the band I was like 28 you know 27 yeah, yeah. So obviously the other guys that were in the band like when I came back from Vancouver were like around that age, like 29, whatever. So um, as the band kind of progressed, people were getting married and having kids and, you know, just not having time for it anymore. So as as I've been the, the only consistent member of the band, the only constant, apart from Andrea, who obviously joined nearly a decade ago. Um, yeah. I, I, I think other people have just kind of like peeled away but there's never been any bad blood or anything it's never been like well you know i want you to you know i'm going to leave the band and this is that and there's never been anything that it's just been like friends like because obviously band members become friends they're like family yeah so so ultimately they've just said i I can't do all these gigs or i can't do the tour or circumstances have changed and stuff always that's all it is so you know even everyone that has been in the band they are always like the posts on social media and like the our original bassist Johnny C turned up at one of the shows as well on the tour, which was really nice. So and he was oh, giving some, ad- yeah, he was giving some advice to Spike as well, because uh, it was just just nice. I mean, we're, we're that kind of band though. We've never really, we don't say anything negative on social media, or we don't ever, you know, our music is a message of of like I don't know. I guess it's love kind of conquers all, or unrequited love or you know stuff like that or just hang yeah. in there it'll be okay that's kind of like our message just positivity yeah. yeah positivity yeah and, and light it's never been like a political thing or and it's never oh. been you know kind of sniping at someone you know there's n- no revenge songs or anything i just i think life's too short really no that's i mean that's why you've been able to carry on for so long and keep writing such good songs i guess um thank you yeah what how would you say that like your approach to writing songs has changed in the time that you've been making music as the fireflies then i think um when i first joined when i first uh, formed the band in, in in canada i was heavily influenced so i still am in a way by city and color uh, dallas green yeah he he was in alexis on fire then kind of branched out and he's still in the band um to an extent he can, can, keeps coming back and his first two albums sometimes and bring me up bring me a love was so incredible they were such incredible albums that they stopped me in my tracks. I've not heard anything that good acoustically since maybe Harvest or After the Gold Rush uh, by Neil Young. So yeah. for, for me, I kind of wanted to adopt a everything's written on acoustic guitar and then everyone in the band can add something to it so it becomes like a synergy, a melting pot, and, and it evolves into ultimately what it is. But at first, the first album was pretty much a, like a, a rock album, like Better to Burn Out. It's 10 years old this year in December, and yeah. which is crazy when I think about it. I mean, you say it got to number one on Amazon like a year after it came out because we just kept touring and doing shows. But that was just just written really, really quickly, recorded really, really quickly. I think we did it in like five days, like pretty much there was not many overdubs, there's no backing vocals on it. So it was just everything up to 10 let's just rock out and see see what happens so i guess my songwriting approach was just i knew even though it was on the acoustic guitar i knew it would be getting drenched in distortion so i wasn't too bad about the fine tuning so cathedral for ashes i started to write i mean that's when i wrote jenny play your guitar and a a bottle top and a few an easel some of the tracks that become well known within our fan base live um and i started to 
kind of reach for the stars a little bit and think, well, maybe I can reach a level of maturity. And I think I've, cover, I've carried that through. I think um, Embers of the Autumn was, was good for us. That was our first play on like Radio 6 music. Um, yeah. And that was, you know, we got some good some people behind us from, from the Hummingbird single. And then I think the elimination of everything had branches on it. And that's when Manchester United started playing it at Old Trafford. That's when we got intru- introduced to MUTV and they absolutely loved it. And then through, Amazing. yeah, so through the three um, singles we've had out for this album, uh, Grace, Runaway and This House Is Ours, uh, I think this, the songwriting has changed because I've maybe cognitively thought I could write something that sounded a bit like Bruce Springsteen, a bit Heartland Rock, a little bit not Americana per se, but, you know, I didn't want to play up to that trope, but I just wanted it to kind of organically be what it was, even though I set out to write this kind of song. It sounds like I'm I'm, um, I'm just being hyperly critical, I guess, but I just... The songwriting, it was really, really easy for this album. It just came out massively easy. Every track followed the other track. And once, I think the last track, I I think the first track I wrote was My Heart Live, which is the last track on the album. And I wrote that in about 2014. And we kicked about in the studio and we could never get it right. So I think it was the week before Christmas, just gone. We got into my front room and we just did it live. There's no uh, backing vocals. There's no... um, other guitar tracks, just me and Joe and Chris, who's our keyboard player. He produces all our music. He's got his own studio. So he was sat yeah. on my couch with the, with the mics and we recorded that track, um, you know, just live right. as was. And that's the version that's gone on the album. And that's the version that's on the album. Yeah. And I've actually, I actually videoed it on my iPad. Um, just, it's just me. So it's just me singing it and Joe's in the background and I've actually got the video. So it's like three minutes, 20, however long the song is. I've got, yeah. you know, I've got the video for that of just me sitting in my front room singing it with with Joe. So, That's really cool. Yeah, I might release it. I don't know once the album. It'd be nice. Yeah, it'd be nice to hold on to at least anyway. Um, yeah. For you guys in the future. Exactly. That's awesome. So you've always just kind of gone with the flow. Then have you, have you um, ever are there songs that you write that don't see the light of day or that you don't share? Or... Yeah, there's, yeah, there's quite a few. I think um, when we did. Um, What's, what's the new album? What's the new album called? Oh, there's Northern Lights. Ah, uh, when we <laughs> cracky. When we when I wrote that, there was like twenty songs, and we yeah. went to a we hired like a massive mansion halfway up the Orm in in Landudno. So right. we recorded it um, there, and that's why in, in this house is ours. It says um, I see the cliffs of the Orm because obviously when I sang the vocals, all I could see was this massive bay window, and it was it was the um, the Orm there. So yeah, so we we had loads of songs. And uh, I think 10 of them didn't make it. So there's, right. there's a rock version of Branches, which is going to be a pre-order bonus. Yeah. And then there's going to be a, I think there's the, a new version of Talking to the Satellite, which is massively Pearl Jam. It's so good, but it doesn't fit on the album. So that's going to be maybe another pre-order bonus or a B-side or something. So we recorded 12, kept 10. And I think we, we kicked about with another seven or eight, just kind of jamming them and seeing what we could come up with. But the vibe wasn't, wasn't right really because I think Grace had had already been recorded somewhere else. So and then I think we'd already done Runaway at Chris's studio in the Wirral. So we knew how it was starting to sound. So by the time we got to Wales, we kind of knew we'd have this Heartland rock um, kind of sound that we wanted to kind of yeah. play up to. So so that's kind of how yeah. So th- so I think there's about seven or eight that didn't make it in the end. I think. So you generally just go with the way that it feels. Because like you say, you tried to record that song ages ago and, and it never worked. And then you just sat down in your living room one day and it, and it worked for whatever reason. Yeah, um, yeah it's, 
Yeah. It's just just a chemistry thing. Maybe they're not, I don't know, an emotional there. I don't know. That's interesting. It, it was, yeah, it's weird. It was something we tried it and tried it and tried it. And I don't know what it was. It just didn't come out right. It just wasn't, you know, we yeah. did click, click tracks and we had like a drum track with it. And there was a little bit of bass. And we had at one point, we had a violin player. And it was all good. And it was all great. And we were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've got a demo of it somewhere where, where I did it in another studio, so I'll send that over at some point, so you think. But it was, yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, but we again, the, the synergy, like I say, it's something in the air, I don't know. We, we got here, and we, we were just chatting just before Christmas, just having a bit of a pizza and a and beer night, and then Joe's like, well, should we get the guitars out? Should we and we're like, okay, so Chris has got, well, Chris goes, well, I've got a few mics, and I've got my laptop in the car, so, you know, what do you think? And it was quite early. It was like six o'clock at night on like a Monday night or something. We were like, okay, okay. Yeah. So he said, what have we got? And I said, well, I've got this one. So, and they'd all heard it because we jammed it like a million times. And I had never done that. Do, 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 do. I'd never done the riff, yeah. that riff. It didn't exist. So as soon as I start, as soon as I did that riff out of nowhere, Joe just started strumming C and E minor with the capo on uh, fret. I think it's fret two. And then yeah. it just happened. So we kind of jammed it. And, and we're like, we should record this. So then we were like, okay, let's go through it again and let's just see what we can do. So Chris pressed record this time and we were kind of still kind of messing around a little bit, but that was the take that was. Like we didn't, we, we expected to do maybe three or four more, but it, that's what it was, you know. And but it, we listened, it worked. Yeah, exactly. We listened back to it and we're like, that is a great take. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> it's madness. And we don't normally do that. And normally like, that's absolutely rubbish. So yeah. you know, that needs to be done again. It's always me. It's like my worst you know, at my most self-deprecating. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. You know, and that was, um, it just seemed to, to work. So that's why I've put in brackets on the back of the album cover live, just so right. people are aware that it is a, a magical moment. It wasn't like a, a million like a... overdubs because some of the tracks on there, like these cities, these colours, it's, that you know, I did like a million guitar solos before I got the right one. It's yeah. madness. But, but my heart was completely different. So it was a really nice... It was really refreshing for the last track to go on the album a year and a half after we'd recorded all the other stuff, almost yeah. two years after Grace. And, and, and you know, we'd, we'd done it that way, which was really nice. Just to capture it in that way. Yeah, that's amazing, yeah. really. I wonder if there's such a thing then as just overdoing it. You know, if you keep trying to record the same song and then you just end up not hating it, but resenting it a little bit, you know, wanting to step away from it. So there, um, there, def- there definitely is. We, uh, yeah. we we tried that with the last album. I can't remember what song it was, but we just didn't seem to get it right. And we, we did it, we did it. I think it was Tides. Like, it's one of my favourite tracks, that Tides Little Love. And it was yeah. really good. And because it sounds so much like the Chili Peppers, I think I'd consciously tried to not sound like Anthony when I was singing it. But I kept <laughs> doing the, the, the pronunciation, like the way maybe he'd use a lisp at the end of each. And I kept doing it. on, And it was like winding it. So in the oh. end, I just kind of put, the, the the actual vocal that's on it down but it was a really slapdash kind of do- vocal and whenever i mean i don't really listen to our stuff too much but whenever i listen to it now i just think oh i could have done a better job of that really mm. yeah yeah that's just you though isn't it because i think if you ask people that listen to your music you guys have definitely got your own sound and you've yeah. got your own you know there's a um yeah obviously you've got your your influences and stuff but um yeah um, there's definitely a firefly you can detect that it's you guys i think even through different songs which is really again another really nice quality to have oh thank um, you yeah yeah do you um ever disagree as a band like creatively or on what, what's uh, going yeah on? yeah we do we did on this album um <laughs> just like i've always wrote i've always wrote the songs you see and no one's ever come up against me and said 
uh, you know, I, I'd like to write the songs. You know, no yeah. one else has ever said that. So I've just kind of done it. And I always write them from like a painful, like marry a painful lyric with the uplifting, uh, with the uplifting music behind it. So it kind of fills people into thinking it's nice music, but really it's quite melancholy. So we had a few chats and uh, a few other members of the band were like, well, I want to do this and I want to write some lyrics. And I was like, well, you can't write lyrics because I've got to sing them and I've got to mean them. And that's how it's always been. So, so, you know, I would like to say there's been some compromise, but to be fair, with the revolving door policy of people coming in the band for a year and leaving, I thought, well, I want to make the album that I want to make and I want it to stand the test of time with this new one. I didn't want, you know, I wanted everyone's input, but yeah. I didn't really want it in a way that they kind of changed it or it was something that I'd look back in a year and go, well, I wish I hadn't backed down about that because I've done yeah. that. I've, I've yielded for like four albums. So on this one, I was like, if you're not interested, there's the door. To be quite frank, so that and, but that didn't happen. It wasn't Fair as well. It was me being silly. I was like, you know, whatever. I wasn't being like a dictator or anything. But I was yeah. just saying that these songs, we've all chose these ten songs. I mean, everyone puts their their input in, and everyone enjoys what they do. You know, yeah, I so. don't really get involved with it. I don't say, oh, change that bit to this bit or that. That doesn't bother me. It's great. But when people say they want to start writing the lyrics, maybe, or they just want to write a song on their own and have no input from me as a writer. Well, I find that a bit of an insult because I've carried the band with my songs for ten, for 12, 13 years. So for someone to come into the band and all of a sudden start saying, well, this is how it should be. It, it's it might become something different then. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, would, yeah. Would it be different if they wanted to sing it or is it just exclusively that you'd sing it as well? Well, I mean, we had the chat. We had the... Uh, version of branches with our with a with a singer adele she was our our ex kind of co-singer with me so she was there is a version with just her singing that song and to be yeah. fair i mean if someone came in and wanted to kind of duet or they wanted just to sing one of the tracks we just see how it went to be honest with yeah. you. i don't think i'd say i'd say no because i i mean i'm a guitarist first and foremost really you know my, my passion's playing the guitar and i just sing in this band because there's no other there was no other singers you know there was no one else i don't particularly think i've got a good voice or anything or so i just okay. i just did i just do it because i don't want someone to shaft me i don't want to i don't want someone to be in the band and be the singer for 10 years then they leave and then we haven't got a singer. You're stuck yeah you get stuck so that's why i play the lead guitar I, I sing and write all the music because as long as i'm drawing breath the fireflies will always keep going and that's just my philosophy on it really so do you guys have like a manager or a publisher or anything? Or is it all very DIY the way that you book your tours and things like that and record? Yeah, we've got um, publishing. Yeah, we've got a publishing okay. deal and whatnot. That's cool. But we don't have a um, we don't have a manager. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, things have only just started to kind of happen for us with like the tour and all the Manchester United things and obviously the beer and and all the yeah you know, uh, a lot a lot more interest than there's ever been really at this point in time. Um, so it's kind of snowballed in the last year or yeah, so. Yeah, definitely. The, the last 12 months has been insane. So, I, yeah. you know, I think we're on the cusp of something happening. I don't think we'll ever be mainstream at all. I, I always think we'll be like a band that our fans have heard of and a lot of people have heard of because they like yeah. us, not not because they've heard it on Wire FM or anything like that. Or incidentally, we were played on Wire FM last year, so I can't really say that. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, oh, the mainstream's changing completely anyway. Like, it's a whole different world now, isn't it? There's, there's bands that are on different tiers and they're doing fine. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's a really good direction that you guys are going in. Yeah, thank you. I don't think I'd want to be mainstream. I, I listen, we have, we have the top 40 on sometimes when we're out and about. When I happen to hear it when I'm in a cafe or something, and it's just yeah. abhorrent. It, it really is abhorrent. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> I just yeah. don't. I, there's no fingerprints on it. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no raw kind of music. It's all so so perfect and poppy and great, which is which is fine and that's wonderful. But I could, you know, when I came of age, it was like the summer of Britpop. So, you know, there was no. I mean, there was dance tracks, but mainly it was um, primarily guitar bands. You know, yeah, people actually playing, playing their craft. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be very much as well. Like if I don't listen to Radio One for a year, it still yeah. sounds the same. The, the songs oh. still seem the same. Like that, you know, that much of time passes between. It's crazy. Well, that, it's funny you should say that because I think I listened to. Excuse me. I think I listened to Radio One accidentally when it was on in a in a in one of my friend's cars, and I've not heard it since 1999. I mean, I, I kind of bowed out when I was like 22 or whatever. So. Yeah. I listen to it now, and I'm thinking, is that the same track it was on in in 2000? Is that the same terrible dance song that that I listened to? And it's so yeah, it's, it's so poppy now and sheened. It is it's so pristine and perfect. You know, there's it's just it's just I, I don't know. I don't know. How to do this. Well, it's it's formulaic, isn't it? They know what's going to sell. So um, yeah, it is exactly formulaic. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it plays to a a trope of you know these people really enjoy it. and people buy it in their in their droves you know people download it and stream it in in, in their millions yeah, it's crazy. Absolute millions like i can't get on board with any of it really but that's just me but I know, who cares what i've got I, to say so no I, I i totally agree but i think that's why people like music like the fireflies as well is because you're like you said earlier you're not really bothered about going mainstream that's not really the, no. ever, not the intention and so the songs that you write just are a bit more real um you know you're not trying to sell records so it, you can hear that it sounds different it means something slightly different yeah um, i pre- appreciate that thank you yeah no no worries it's, it's definitely the kind of band that um, appeals to me anyway um it's okay. a bit more authentic yeah. um so so you guys have played quite a lot of gigs well obviously this year you have but yeah. in general you, you've played a lot what have been um or what's been one of your most memorable live show experiences as a band um Quite a few, really. Any time we've been asked to play it for Manchester United, when we go to Old Trafford and they, they yeah. film it and it's for the, the players or it's one of their shows, um, that always means a lot to me. When I'm kind of mingling with the likes of uh, David May or Dennis Irwin or Wes Brown, or I'm just yeah. like, how did it get to this? You know, it's incredible. I mean, we did um, we did a duet with Rowetta from the Happy Mondays. We, we did the, um, the, the Man United gig and she was sat there and we were singing happy, yeah, we were singing happy birthday to Paddy Crowland. It was his 80th, obviously Paddy Crowland being one of George Best's former teammates. And yeah. um, I, as we were singing happy birthday, I kind of motioned to Rowetta to to come up, so she sang it with me. So I'm there duetting at Manchester United, at a Manchester United live on MCV thing with Rowetta. So <laughs> spontaneously as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, absolutely crackers. And then I think um, a couple of years ago. Um, the, the boxer Kieran Farrell invited us to open for him at Middleton Arena, so that oh, was yeah. a big show. That was really really nice. Um, God, there's been so many, so many great shows. Whenever we play, we we supported Ocean Colour Scene in in, in, in uh, the O2s. They were great shows. Um, yeah, we played a, we played an after show party for Noel Gallagher, which was um, which the DJ was Paul Gallagher, his brother. That was really cool. I think there was wow. a few members of the Coral that were there that night. We, we yeah. just We've just played so many, so many shows over the last 12 years. But yeah. some are good, some are bad. But the ones that stick out are always the ones that are quite local to us, Liverpool or Manchester. And um, if like Manchester home, United... Homecoming gigs involved, type. Yeah, 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 homecoming gigs. Or when we, have a, or when we play the Brindley Theatre, there's like a 400-cap um, 
uh, theatre in, in our hometown, and we've sold yeah. it out like seven or eight times now. So it's great. But we've not played there for Amazing. about two years because I just thought, well, what's the point? You know, I'd rather just you know play somewhere else. Like the, the, the pre-tour party, we were we was a society, and that's the place that the, that's the brewery that makes our beer. So yeah. um, and you couldn't squeeze a microbe in there. You couldn't. It only holds like maybe forty people. But, but everyone had just come to see us and it was this gig on this Thursday night and it was incredible and that was quite exciting but I think the yeah. theatre shows we played like Blackburn uh, is it King George's Theatre or whatever we've played loads so many venues in the UK so many venues but I always like local like North West if I'm honest yeah what because you get a certain like welcoming vibe from it or just no just, just close more... to home just close to home because oh, it's, just... <laughs> it's easier <laughs> Yeah, it's just easier. Within an hour, I'm in my slippers having a cup of tea, so watching the telly, so, you know. There you no, go, I, sounds good. I, I, totally. <laughs> I, I jump, I've... really, but, yeah, I do, I do like those. Um, I do like the, the shows that are near here. Yeah. Have you ever struggled with performance anxiety, or has that never been an issue for you? No, no, I don't know. A lot of people say that if you, if you don't get nerves, you're doing it wrong, but I, I absolutely don't, even when we've played live on TV. It's never really bothered me. Um like, no, I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with that. I think some people definitely thrive in a live setting. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, for me, it's like I don't get any anxiety or nerves. But I, I must say, as I mentioned earlier, uh, when it, when we did the gigs for Coffee House and I did the first maybe six or seven, and the pre-show gig without my guitar, just harmonica and singing, I felt really kind of anxious and fish out of water. It was horrible. I felt right, really horrible. Okay, yeah. And that yeah. kind of was like, I think I, that kicked off an anxiety I didn't know I had I was like I can't do this I can't stand at the front and just be me with people looking at me you know when I'm without just using, yeah without the guitar yeah. I couldn't do it it was I don't know how I mean Freddie Mercury you know the greatest of all time and the likes of James Brown and, and all those guys that were just incredible front men and, and Anthony Kiedis you know Liam Gallagher the guys that don't play guitar they just literally are a voice on stage how they do yeah. that I'll never know I'll never know. I'm more of a Mark Knopfler, you know, kind of thing. Johnny Marr. I just yeah, like yeah. to hide behind the guitar. I just, I just being a front. That's man, interesting just, though, but that, that it takes away all of your anxiety the second you've got your guitar. Perhaps it's, it's weird, a, really yeah. strange. Yeah, but I, I don't know what. It, it's definitely a crutch. I don't know. I just it is strange. That's the thing. No, it's, it's just it's, a bit of wood. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. No, I definitely, I definitely understand that. It, it, can you do? You, is there any chance you can remember like what your the first time you ever performed and where it was and like how you felt when you did that yeah yeah we played in a a band called warped in um and we were signed actually we got signed to matchbox recordings in 1996 so during Britpop, uh, we did a couple of shows with some like Britpop bands like the blue tones and uh the dodgy a few of those things oh no way yeah yes it was really cool so we did so that was like when i was like you know 18 17 18 when we first got signed and it was just three of us and we did a gig at the Red, Ab- the Red Admiral pub in Runcorn, and it was absolutely rammed. It was there were so many people in there to see us because we'd just been signed and it was great. And I yeah. remember I wasn't that great a guitarist, and, and our bassist, my best friend Quinn, who's still my best friend to this day, he um, he was the singer, so I was just playing guitar and I wrote the songs, and he was singing them, and our friend Matt was the drummer. And um, yeah, I remember thinking like thinking this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, but. Um, coincidentally, we had a walked reunion at Society in Runcorn um, in December. So the first time I'd seen those guys in like 20, 22 years. Yeah. Um, and we all met up and we uh, I'd not seen Matt, the drummer, since like 1997 or something, 98. I'd not seen Quinn for a little while. He was in London and then 
Joe, our ex-keyboard player, had not seen him for like maybe five or six years. So we had this like warped reunion in uh, as we were drinking Fireflies beer. Really strange. That's um, really cool. Did you <laughs> did you have a jam or was it just a, a hangout? No, it was just a social hangout. Yeah, but we have we have said that we'll start doing some of the old songs, which is crazy to think that like you know I'm 39 and and to think that you know that I'd still be in contact with the warped guys from from 1995 is, is wild it's absolutely wild but it's great though it's a good life you know yeah no that's really nice it seems like a long time ago doesn't it but it's obviously it speaks yeah. volumes for for keeping things you know nice and holding on to your friends you know not falling out over silly things when you're in a yeah, band exactly, or... yeah yeah I, I, life's way too short you know I think there was a falling out back in the 90s um, and then uh, the drummer got back in touch with me like maybe a year ago and was like I was really churlish and really silly. I'm really sorry. And I said, yeah, me too. But we we were like, he was younger than me. So he was, I was like 19 and he was like 15 or 16 or something. And uh, you were just kids then. Exactly. That's it, you see. And he moved away to be a vet, Matt. And he's, um, you know, I've kept in contact with him for like a year solid now. And I met him in, 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 um, at Christmas. And it was just wonderful to see him again. And, you know, it was like no time had passed. It's like we were all kind of like 16, 17, 18 again. We just felt like, yeah. You know, it's nice to be in the company of these people that meant so much to me, you know, back in the, the mid-90s when I was young. That's lovely. That's really nice to hear. Um, have you, so sort of the flip side of what I asked earlier, have you ever had any terrible live show experiences? Like, does anything come to mind? Oh, hundreds, yeah. We played, um, <laughs> yeah, we played the Ruby Lounge in Manchester uh, last yeah. year, pl- uh, supporting... Um, like an Oasis tribute band called No Oasis, and they were great. They were really nice guys. They were like teachers and like scientists and stuff. They weren't like anything like like rock and roll stars and nothing. It was really cool. Anyway, yeah. the place was it's got an eight hundred cap, I think. So there was like eight hundred people in there, absolutely frothing to to listen to you know covers of Oasis. So we were supporting them, and the second we came out, and I think we went in, we just recorded Grace. So Grace was like the newest song. So I went, did it, did it, did it, did it, bang, string goes. I was like, right, okay, lost a string. Oh. That's, that's not a problem. So I'll go, th- I'll fight through this song until I can get me another guitar. Then some guy at the front uh, puts his beer down on the front of the stage. He's against the cross barrier. So he puts yeah. his beer, beer down on the front of the stage, then knocks his pint all over my effects pedals. So oh. they just kind of short it out completely. And for some crazy reason, Chris's keyboard just blew, like smoke coming out of it. So he's got it on the side and he's kind of tapping it to cool it down. It was awful. And the worst thing as well, like being in front of like 800 people that are rabid to hear Oasis covers and yeah. when, when you're just losing your, your mind and it's all going terribly. So it was, that was a really, really horrible experience. But there's too many to mention. I mean, say if you did a hun- say if you did 200 gigs in a year, like yeah. maybe 150 of those are going to be pretty great. And the other 50 are going to be awful. It's just going to really? be... Really? That many? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it, it, if it's like a crappy sound guy or it, like someone... One I of guess, the yeah, there's a ton of yeah. things that can go wrong in there. Oh, so much, yeah. So, I mean, you're probably... I'm probably being a, a bit too generous, really. I'd probably say 50 shows were, are really, really, really good. 100 are just like, yeah, they, they're okay. And then the 50 are bad. I think that's the best way to... That's the best barometer, I think. That, yeah. Like, the, the lightning in a bottle shows. I mean, we maybe had one on that tour. Maybe the one in Bristol. You know, maybe the one in uh, Bath or Oxford. You know, maybe they were really, really good shows that we did on the Coffee House tour. The others yeah. were just, yeah, they were good shows, and some of them not so good. But maybe out of nineteen gigs, maybe three of them were great. Right, it's weird. I mean, yeah. 
what what do you think keeps you doing it then keeps you going when it's when the you know when the odds are against you kind of thing i, I have no idea I, I think it's just bread i think I, I i don't know i just um like you kind of look out to the crowd and think yeah this is going really bad or you know you do get you, paid at the end of the night or something i don't know but i, just, I guess yeah. do you ever regret playing though or do you always like well at least we you know did a show even if it's not been a great one yeah, I regretted that Manchester one. That was pretty rough, that. But some of my friends had come to see us. So I had maybe, out of 800 people, there was maybe 60 people that had come to see us. So I yeah. was kind of looking, because it's such a massive, it's such a dense crowd in the Ruby Lounge. Like, everyone is right there on top of it. So I was yeah. kind of pick, picking my little friends' faces out and going, right, okay. So there's always an element of, well, we played that for a reason. But, yeah. you know, so, <laughs> but sometimes when everything's gone wrong, you just think, you just wish the, you know, the, the ground would swallow you up, can't we? Yeah. No flipping it. Did you make it through the rest of the gig then after the kit broke or did you Yeah, to... well we did I think we did Grace and I think we did Jenny and Satellite maybe. So I think we were contractually supposed to play for forty five minutes and I think we played for like twenty because we oh, just, just kept it yeah, short. Yeah, so I, I started like a mass sing along, which is very on me. I wouldn't do something like this. So because we were in Manchester and it was like an oasis type crowd, I just started yeah just singing Sally Cinnamon by the Stone Roses at the mic. So everyone right. joined in and was having a good time. So once we'd done that, I then went into There Is A Light That Never Goes Out by the Smiths and everyone just sang along and everyone's having this massive kind of karaoke um, experience at my behest. So it was... Yeah, that sounds pretty was, good. Exactly, yeah, yeah. People were drunk and they were enjoying it. So and then I think we squeezed a song out and then something went wrong. So we started another sing along and then we squeezed yeah. another song out. And then we, we ended up going, but we got a couple of you know, people always will more often than not go on to um, uh, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter the day after and go, hey, I saw you guys last night, you know, blah, blah, blah. It never tends to be negative. So there's always a, it's always worth doing it really, you know, kind of like soldiering on till the end or whatnot. Yeah, for sure. Well, it sounds like, yeah, it's impressive how you dealt with that. That sounds quite like a, a you know, a front person thing, which you, you said you didn't really think of yourself as that, but um yeah, definitely. Not. It sounds like it turned out. It sounds like it turned out well in the end. Yeah, um, it was. It was okay. Have you? So, so that was a one of the more difficult experiences that you've had as a, a live yeah. band. Then, have you noticed any major? So, you started. Was it Vancouver? You said you started. Pretty much, yeah. Is there a massive difference between like playing shows there and playing in the UK? I think in Canada. And you rock up into it like Frankie G's or um, like Rivers Reach or something like these little acoustic, well, not acoustic, but little bars. Like there's a, It's a different culture, I think. I think if someone, if you're on a night out and you're having a few brews with your mates in Canada yeah. and someone rocks up on a stool in the corner with an acoustic guitar, I don't know why, but people are more inclined to listen to it. Really strange. But right. in, the, in the UK... I don't know if if it's if it's like a flash gig and it's ad hoc and people aren't expecting it. You might get tutted. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> a, little, a little bit like, well, you know, I'm trying to do a crossword here. What are you doing, singing your heartfelt songs for free in the middle of a pub? You know what I mean? It's, but it's but in, <laughs> exactly, yeah. But in Canada, I always found the the um, the reception to be great. It was always it's always better. I think I think if you're British and you're playing somewhere else, or if you're Canadian and you're playing here, or American and playing here, or Australia, I think they seem to be, audiences seem to, seem to be a little bit more receptive to something that's not... Of, not local. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Not, it's not got local, a bit of yeah. mystery about them or something. Definitely, yeah, there's something, yeah. De <laughs> definitely, that's interesting. Yeah. 
Um, would you have you got any plans to tour outside of the UK, or are you sticking with things no, here we, for the time being? We'd absolutely love to. Um, we'd absolutely love to. If the if the chance comes and we get a, an offer or a booking agent, you know, um, gets in contact and wants to do a few shows over, abroad, then we'll we'll always do it. I don't think at, at this juncture we'd ever turn anything down. It's um, you know it's incredible okay. how, how it's kind of snowballed, but. For now, yeah. we're just kind of playing, you know, anywhere in the UK that'll have us. But we'll just just see where it goes. But yeah, never say never. I would love to tour abroad more. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you said, you, are you still working as well as being in the band? Um, is that true of everyone that's in the band? Or yeah, yeah, we all work for we all work together. We work at the same company. Um, so yeah, so that's, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all, yeah. We all work at the same place. So that's really cool. Um, so that's nice. And I, I really, really love my job, which is something I probably wouldn't have said about six months ago in a previous job. But I... Oh, right. Yeah, I have something new. Yeah. So we, um, we, everyone really enjoys their work and it's great. And the people we work for are massively into the band. Obviously, both their sons are in the band. So that's great. Um, oh, perfect. So, it, yeah, Spike and Joe's dad, uh, mum and dad. So we... Um, we're just really fortunate to have a you know a boss who understands what it's like to be to be in a band and to to kind of go for it. But yeah, it, you know we're we're not in a position you know um, financially to to leave the band to go to to leave work to go full time. And I don't know many bands that are. I mean, I think no, the, no, slow, no. the Slow Readers Club all still work. You know, I think I'm pretty sure that bands that are way bigger than us you know still still work and, and do all that kind of thing so it's just yeah. the sign of the times i think i think if this was, this was the 90s then it'd be different i think we'd we'd be you know i don't think we'd we'd have to work but you know there's mortgages there's bills to be paid so it's it's and that kind of makes it more like i think our fans know that and i think they appreciate how much the band is a labor of love for us do you know what i mean i think it's we do yeah. this because we really really want to do this it's not because you know contractually we're obliged to do five albums or whatnot you know and we're just churning it out it's a real labor of love you know every note yeah. is, is well, well thought out and you know i think that's why really no absolutely it's a genuine passion for you and you can hear that in your songs and i imagine you can hear it at your live shows i've not had a chance to get to a gig yet but so you should have come um, to the bristol one you say yeah that's right. i know <laughs> you're coming back <laughs> you're not coming down to cardiff at any point um no, we, uh, no. We, we did play cardiff actually we played a place called Oh, the bull bar or the bull something, and we supported, um, you know, Yanto Jones from Doctor Who. Um, what kind of uh, Gareth, Gareth David Lloyd? He yeah. he was one of the leads in Torchwood and Doctor Who. Now he he had a band called Blue Gillespie. I can't believe I'm just recounting this on the top of my head. And we well, no Buffalo Bar it was called the Buffalo Bar in Buffalo Cardiff. Bar. Yeah, and we we played there. We did a few shows on a Friday Saturday night in 2000. 12 and that was ace that was a great night the, the, the crowd ah. was really great so uh yeah i think we've only played wales maybe maybe four or five times we've played shows in wales and um, yeah cardiff i think we did something in uh prestatin no oh, yeah yeah sorry we made the admin land don't know as well so yeah. oh yeah you said that earlier yeah, yeah. No, I'll, I'll catch you at some point because I'm actually from Manchester, so we're constantly back up oh, okay. in the north cool. anyway. <laughs> I, I thought you were from Bristol. I don't know why. I've got Bristol in my head. I don't know why. That is. I lived in Bristol for a, for a long time before we moved to oh. Wales. Um, oh, okay. So. Oh, so you live in Wales now, right? Okay, cool. Yeah, I live in Cardiff. Part of the country. Beautiful place. It is nice, yeah. Um, right. I'll just ask a couple more if that's all right, if you've still got a few minutes. You are up for yeah. time. It's absolutely fine. Yeah, of course it is. 
Awesome. Um, so what's uh, what are your hopes going forwards with the band then and what are sort of the main things that you're looking uh, to kind of I, achieve I just, in, you know, throughout the rest of the year? Yeah, I, I hope that Only Us Northern Lights connects with people. I really, really hope that people, you know, get out of it what we kind of put into it, you know, just that, re- you know, recognising that these songs were, were so heartfelt and they mean everything and we're not trying to reinvent the wheel, really. We're not trying to move it forward you know, sonically or anything like that. I just yeah. really, really want this album to connect with more people than we have in the past. So so that's, you know, that's kind of the main focus of the rest of the year. You know, we've got some more shows coming up and I think because Spike's not on the album, he's just joined the, the, the band. The band We're going to um, maybe get into the studio in the summer because uh, I've, I've got quite a few songs written already. So maybe give Spike a chance to, to record with the band and kind of see what, you know how it all fits in there so that that's definitely something um but just yeah. just kind of keep it together and just hopefully pick up some some more some more fans and people that care really that's you know that's all we kind of want to do you're just going to go with the flow then and, and yeah i think so we're, we're all pretty chill people to be fair as well we're not like i'm focused and driven and i really want the band to be a success you know yeah. overall but of course, i'm yeah. not going to i'm not i'm not going to kill myself doing it you know we're all kind of chill and we all just kind of do what we do really so just hoping people enjoy the album i really do yeah no i hope so as well um is you, is there any advice that you could give to like new or maybe younger artists or bands who are kind of looking to build something like you have done you know and, and i don't know hold on to whatever it is that drives you to keep making it and keep getting better and better yeah um, i think don't don't compromise with with labels and don't compromise with um like prospective managers and because we've had that before we've been managed before and we've had like various record deals and whatnot and they always try and kick what what makes you out of you i don't know why it can't be said for all labels but a lot of people are like well you know that needs to be a little bit more put some more chorus on that or that needs to have a bit more discussion it's not a label or manager's um job to start messing with the music so yeah. any any young bands just you know find a find a formula that you like if you're into Jimi hendrix then be a singing lead guitarist with a, a, a bass player and a, and a live wire drummer. You know, if you're into the Chili Peppers, then check out John Frusciante's rig and, and get a tube screamer and a wire and just do what you want to do. You know, that's the reason it exists. It's it's to to just kind of melt away into. It's to fall into and forget the, the how awful life can be. You know, that's that's music for me. That's why that's why we do it. So. You know, for me, it would just be just keep on going, believe in yourself, get a good quality demo, you know, make an album and just put it out there and just point people towards it. And if it's good, then it'll then it'll snowball and grow and just gain, you know, gain some gravitas. I mean, we started off with, you know, four monthly listeners on Spotify. And now it's 15,000 every month. So yeah. someone's listening. You know, we're doing we're doing something right for sure. But if if I could tell young me again, you know, 20 years ago, I'd just say, keep at it, man. Don't stop. Keep doing what you're doing. Believe in yourself. Make the music you want to make. And ultimately, yeah. ultimately, you'll find success one way or another. Amazing. Really nicely put. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about or uh, mention about the band or you've got coming uh, up or anything like that? Yeah, I think we've got Liverpool's Prohibition Studios, which is on the 8th of June, which is a massively prestigious show. Um, I think Robert yeah. Benson's just sold it out. I think the Hummingbirds sold it out. I think uh, Ian Prowse played, uh, did a show there recently. So 
I think okay. the show's nearly sold out. I think it's. Uh, I don't think tickets are on sale yet, but I think word of mouth has said we're playing it. So quite a lot oh, of tickets, okay. tickets have gone. So basically, it is a recording studio, but they kind of dress it up with like, um, you know, fairy lights and give it a kind of really kind of cool little festival vibe. So that's yeah. an acoustic acoustic show. And then people, uh, when when it's over, people can go away with the recording of the gig, which is super nice. So that's something. I'm really looking forward to, and I think we've got the Alsager Music Festival, or Alsager, where, however you pronounce that, on the 13th of July in Cheshire. So we're on the main stage. So that's pretty massive as well. That's a good thing. And then we've, there's a few other things I forget off the top of my head, but we've got obviously the beer is going to be available worldwide. Hopefully, uh, we're going to be able to to ship it out from from a. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, like an online, <laughs> an online store or whatnot. So. Uh, yeah. Alex, Alex, the alchemist, uh, he runs Society in the Blue Ball Brewery, and it was his idea to give us our own signature beer, Northern Lights, and yeah. it's just going really, really well. Like it's a really great uh, session ale. It's only like four percent, um, really light. So people are just really enjoying that. So anyone that's local to Runcorn can obviously pop into Society and uh, and experience that. But hopefully, I mean, it's been bottled up. We've got some bottles of it, and um, hopefully that'll be. You know, available all over the UK at some point soon. Yeah, that's cool. Just as summer's uh, peeking its head around the corner as well. Uh, exactly. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect for that. <laughs> so, um, is the fireflies.com the place to go if anyone wants to find out about your gigs and tickets and stuff like that? Yeah, fireflies.com. And then there's all the links to the, the usual suspects like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Nice one. I'll put everything in uh, when I share the podcast as well. Um, I'll share a couple of your songs within. Is uh, you got any preferences or are you? All right, with whatever. Yeah, just, just the new three, I think. Grace run yeah. in this house is ours. I'd be uh, grateful for that. Yeah. Sure thing. Yeah, no worries. Um, listen, it's been really nice talking with you. Um, I really you. appreciate you taking the time. Um, and I love the band. I love your music anyway, which is why I asked you to come on the show. That's really um, kind of you. Yeah, your reviews are, are, are fantastic. I really appreciate that. You know, it's obviously a two-way two street, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, so no. Thank, thanks for asking me to come on as well. <laughs> no worries at all. I will catch you at a live show as soon as I can as well. But, um, yeah, thank you very much. And I wish you guys all the best. And hopefully I'll, I'll speak to you again soon. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Cheers, Lee. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.